Welcome to Mindfully Meg. I'm Meg. Here we'll be discussing everything and in between on the journey related to yourself and itself with a capital S. On this podcast, I share my own journey in hopes it might comfort some of you and in others plant seeds of openness and awareness. On this podcast, we share all things related to consciousness, metaphysics, religion, sex, relationships today, self-love, methods of healing, the list goes on. So if you're a little curious about the mind-body-soul connection and a little more curious about loving yourself too, join us today. Welcome back, everyone. It is Mindfully Meg and Unapologetically John joining you again today. Our topic today is going to be about relationships. That's right. So let's get comfortable with being uncomfortable today. Right, John? (laughs) There you go. Relationships. Absolutely. I'm excited to dive into this with you, Megan. Let me start by asking you, if you don't mind sharing, what is your current uh, relationship status on Facebook? Oh, on the Facebook that I'm never on. But yeah, yeah, I am single. And what about yourself? I am also single. So I think I appreciate you giving that perspective because it's interesting as well. When you are listening to information from anybody or or opinion, perspective comes into play. So both Meg and myself are single. Is this a dating show today or what are we doing? (laughs) Let's just share our experiences and hopes it might comfort some others and plant seeds of openness and awareness. (laughs) How about that? Um, Before we get started, I know we like to take a selfie. So everyone take your selfie moment now, check in, register how you're feeling. Let's take a deep breath in together. Hold it and out. And let's just be present in this episode, get our minds focused on relationships. So John, before we get started, I want to read a little passage by Young Pueblo. I don't know if you guys have seen him on Instagram. He's pretty popular, but this one is good. I like this. It says, do what is right for you. Do it over and over again. Lean into the light. Keep going even when it is hard, especially when it is hard. Do not let the doubt stop you. Trust the process when your mood is low. Let growth be your mission. Let healing be your reward. And let freedom be your goal. And I love that so much because he says, do it over and over again. Because as we know in relationships, if you're so fortunate and lucky to get it right on the first time, the first person you fall in love with is the first person you marry. And the first person, the only person you're with congratulations you i would like to say are the minority uh but to those of us that experience you know the falling in love the heartbreak over and over again kudos to you for getting through it and being resilient and continuing the adventure no totally and so well said megan it is funny i do have one anomaly friend who met his sweetheart I think when he was 15 he's now 37 so 22 years like in one relationship so uh shout out to the one in a billion like you know you're in the relationship hall of fame my man but um no so true and I love that you use the word their heartbreak as well I feel that sometimes we are in a society where especially with breakups 
um, or, you know, various versions of heartbreak, uh, especially during COVID and isolated periods. I think that um, expressing and letting that flow through you as your own unique experience is just so key. Oftentimes during those times of transitioning in relationships or breakups, we have this propensity to go to those closest to us to sometimes get advice or, you know, timelines on how long this will last. Um, I smile sometimes because I just want to remind everybody out there in this moment that everyone's experience is going to be 100% unique. And I think the greatest message to just start with is that whatever your experience of relationships has been to this point, honor that as your experience and honor that you've been through some ups and you've been through some downs and each and every one of those occurrences is, was, and will always be okay. Um, we can put so much label and pressure on relationships and status and heartbreak and time frames. And when will I get over this? And I just, again, want to start this podcast by saying that wherever you are is exactly where you're supposed to be. And what you're feeling in this moment is totally okay. And, uh, always remember that this too shall pass. And uh, so I just wanted to start with that kind of, you know, relationship introduction, Meg, as we talked about such a buzzword like heartbreak. And it brought up, for me, it brought up the concept of sorrow and despair and sadness. And I sat with that for a moment as we were opening the podcast. And then I said, you know what? There is just so much experience in relationships and the uniqueness and uh, personal touch that, you know, many of us have had. So with that being said, I know when, you know, I was contemplating this earlier, one of the things that I was thinking about was the idea of attachment. And I know you and I have had that conversation before. So when you even look at your relationships, or let's start with this concept of attachment, attachment theory a little bit. I know you have some interesting perspectives on that. Yeah, for sure. Awakened uh, by my teacher, right? Self-reflective, not aware Remember, when you're young, your brain's not fully developed. So when you're in your 20s, maybe even in high school, I thought I was so in love, right? My mom, my mom was with me in that breakup, even a dog involved in a really traumatic accident, four-wheeling. Um, and so you think you're in love and um, then you experience another love. Uh, that second, what I thought was love was not love. That was not a healthy love. I would like to say that was definitely on the realm of the four different types of attachments. And then later in life, I experienced different actual, what I would call actual experiences of love. So there's levels of love. I would like to state that first, but um, on the attachment theory, I think that helped me find peace with those relationships, kind of pulling myself out of them, not so emotional and really adding your mind into it because relationships can be so emotional. Uh, you definitely need to focus with your brain as well, uh, speaking from the feminine side. So there's four different types and th they're in a four squared, just so you guys know. So the four types, it's either what you think about you and what you think about your partner. And if you think positively about yourself, but you kind of think negatively about your partner, you can have an anxious attachment um, and a fearful avoidance. So I think the majority of my relationships, I've thought, you know, negative about myself and given my partner so much more credit than me. I'm just kind like that. And so I have this fear of abandonment. 
um, this need for validation. And sometimes I was dependent on my partner to validate my self-worth. I think this is a lot of females and women. I say, and they're the same, but a lot of women in their young twenties, you see them looking externally for that validation. They're on the social media or you haven't commented on something or have you noticed, right? And they're really hyper about, you know, what are you doing? How do you feel about our relationship? Are you, are you talking to X, Y, Z? You know, that young, immature love, I'm sure you've experienced it. Um, that's definitely an attachment. And if you're not aware of that, someone has to wake you up to that. So that's where we're kind of planting these seeds. And for me, it kind of went back to my childhood unconsciously, this fear of abandonment. Um, you know, my dad lived in Houston. My dad loves me. I know he loves me. I have a great relationship with my father, but when you're young and your brain's not fully developed and he's not around, you kind of build up this every time you see him and you get attached to it, you have this fear of, am I going to get to see him again? Right. And he would have never known I was building this up, right? He made time to see me and stuff like that. But there was long periods where I wouldn't see him. Um, And so that kind of started some of that. And then I think just naturally as I evolved, I developed that. So that was something to help me be more mindful of. And then now I can say, you guys go check out attachment theories. But I like to be now in the secure attachment, which Mm -hmm. is the box of, you think positively about yourself and you think positively about your partner. I find these are my relationships now in my thirties, now that I'm awakened and you have healthy boundaries and you have mutual trust and support within each other. And then you have like controlled conflict resolution, right? Girls will still shit test you, but you guys can kind of like laugh it off. Right. And you like know where it's coming from and it doesn't turn into a big emotional fight. It's like something is just like a little tiff. So check that out if you guys aren't aware of the different types of attachment theories. But it's kind of like a self-check to really reflect on what type of relationship that you're in. Is it healthy? Is it not healthy? Is it something that you need to work on yourself internally and really overcome that? And like I did, just like make peace with that younger yeah. Meg that had this fear and really identify am I choosing the right partners for me but I don't know did you have any attachments in your relationships well and just to summarize what Meg said everybody basically what she said is that women are responsible <laughs> for all the issues that men are. <laughs> all my dudes out there <laughs> no and I just want to say Meg like I first of all I even learned so much from what you just shared there because when you talk about this idea of holding ourselves in a negative light Oftentimes, a lot of that kind of it it kind of permeates and it's unsettled below the surface, like you talked about the concept of awareness. So for so many of us, and even including myself, uh, so many of these things go below the surface. But, you know, life is always presenting you with people and circumstances to show you where you're still locked up. And then eventually you start looking back through awareness. So that's awesome that you've now got to the stage of now seeking that aspect of security, right? Like positivity uh, in oneself and positive views of one's partner. Um, I think for me, uh, you know, I can definitely relate to this 
this aspect of being quite insecure, I would say, through most of my life. And so for me, it always made sense to build up a large egoic structure of what I could be as a man to really protect that insecurity. Now, of course, for the longest time, it went unnoticed. You talked about the idea of awareness. So this, so much of this happens below the surface. And, you know, I've spent more time in introspection, especially post relationships, having recently got out of a a longer term relationship of, you know, on and off for four years. But again, with this idea that for me, when I look back, I, I see that there is an underlying insecurity usually. And then what we do from there is, at least for myself, is project outwards. So ego, gaslighting, certain tendencies, again, to protect something that was being built up. But what really happens there is you're never getting to the core of one another, right? So now you're always having this relationship on the surface. Maybe you're walking on eggshells. Maybe you're subconsciously even using ammunition to get into conflicts unbeknownst. I think the biggest thing that's come from my relationships, at least as I sit here as a single man currently, and one thing that I contemplate is that open, honest, and authentic communication will forever be the gateway to just being able to air certain things out. I I feel like this buildup and this concept of stories that are also part of any attachment theory, really, right? This is who I am. This is who you are. This is the light in which we hold each other. We have these preconceived notions. And then we're shutting ourselves off to what's actually occurring in the present moment because we're actually boxing in the people we're in relationships with. Like we have an idea often of who they are, different tendencies and traits. So I think as we kind of begin to detach And again, we come back, even you look at the journey to self, that spiritual journey and how that would merge with a relationship. It's almost the aspect of detaching from the relationship itself and being very present in the moment and being able to express how you feel in a moment. And like you said, you talked about those things like trust um, and reliability and, and certain aspects that each individual will have to assess what's important to them within a relationship. And I think that that list just goes on and on. But there's a lot of value, I feel, in looking back at past relationships, just just seeing where you can learn. I know for me, especially as a man, I look back and just to the way that I've treated some of my partners in the past, you know, and just some of the things I've said to past partners. And like, I want to put the energy out there on behalf of all men right now that I am extremely sorry. I'm sorry to all women who have been you know, have been hurt by partners in some way. Behind that hurt was a man that, although we don't always realize it, there's a wounded emotional part that is, you know, projecting outwards. And this isn't a get out of jail free card, like, oh, I'll be perfect always. I will be the Jesus of relationships and I will never say the wrong thing again. But it's like, I just look back personally and I know that as a man in a relationship, like respect is just it, that that to me just is like a mandatory requirement. And I use that word because like once you once you cross the line of respect, now you kind of lose integrity and things can kind of, you know, things can change there. So long winded as usual. If I'm good for one thing, it's a long winded rant, Meg. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> You're not long winded. No, I like that respect. And I'll tell you one thing. When a woman checks out is when she no longer respects you. So uh, just looking at this wheel, the four attachments, I found myself hitting at least 
one time each of the attachment theories, right? Being in a physical relationship, losing respect for that person, that I'm out, right? Checked out, no longer have respect for a man. I'm, I mean, there's nothing left, right? But then sometimes it led me to these other attachment relationships where you think negatively about your partner um, and negative about yourself, or you think positive about yourself and negative about your partner. And you can start to avoid intimacy in general. You avoid being vulnerable with the next person because you're like so hurt. You know, you have this fear of rejection now. So I feel like if you haven't check these out, because I think we've all been there before. And you just want to make sure these attachments that you're now learning about, you're not bringing them into your next relationship. You're really healing wholeheartedly before you go into the next one. And that's what I'm really being mindful of. This next person should not have to carry the stuff from the past. If anything, it's a reward for them to now be able to be in a relationship with my best version that I've been able to gain all that wisdom and experience now. And they're like, oh, I'm like uh, the last guy I was talking to. He was like, you know, talking about, oh, if we would have met when we were younger or like we're meeting now in life, it's a little bit later in life. He's in his 40s or whatever. And I was like, but you wouldn't have wanted Meg in her early 20s. You wouldn't have, you know, wanted Meg, you know, five years ago. I have grown up so much and matured so much just by working on the things that I've had to work on. And you can probably say the same thing about yourself. Like your next partner that you're going to get is going to get an even better version of John just by the relationship that you just went through. Oh, totally. And and so well put. And, you know, I fully believe that. I, I even remember sometimes in my past relationships, sometimes, you know, partners can feel almost as if they're maybe preparing you for something, something better. Like it was, it, that was an interesting experience that for me, it was when I committed to working more on myself, I almost have this, like, I feel it makes me feel guilty sometimes, to be honest, because I look at my past relationships and I just say to myself, like, why couldn't I have been that man for them? Like all like, you know, of the three relationships I've been in in my life, I'm 35, I've been in three, three year relationships, you know, so that takes me back nine years to about what's that 26, 24, 20. Yeah, like I, I really didn't get into relationships until my mid 20s. I never read the book on relationships. I kind of just developed my own style and concept and you carry so much of yourself into them. But one thing, Meg, that I think that, you know, you mentioned, and it's so true is like, how can you take and integrate those learnings? And like I said, it kind of feels like I don't want to use each partner as a stepping stone because that's not what it is. Each partner to me is an isolated experience because I know in all my relationships, if I went back to that boy, John, I know for sure he loved each of those women. Absolutely as to what he knew love was at that time. And mm-hmm. I knew that we did the best, he did the best that he could, even if the best seems so off now at the time, like at the end of the day, we do the best that we can. But our, the, that version of us, unfortunately, can sometimes be so far from what we're capable of. And like, I look back now and I honestly laugh at some of the things. It was interesting about a month ago, my my pre, my second girlfriend, we've been broken up for, you know, probably five years now. And I've always had this calling. She's in Vancouver now. She's with another guy, super happy. He's a great guy. She's she's an amazing girl, great family. But we had a bad breakup. Like it was not nice. And like I like as I was working on myself, like that, it hurt me. I was like, man, like 
this this girl and her family and just like like there was so much love there at one point and then like so much hate, like hate and hurt and I just didn't want to carry that in my heart and anyway she was always dismissive and finally she's like look I'll meet you for coffee etc so we met for coffee we talked for like you know just 10 minutes it was quick but I kind of told her look at the end of the day she never had to you know she never had to come and accept this and like I was sending that energy either way but there was something about doing it and seeing her in person and being truly so happy for her and just saying like, mm-hmm. yo, like, I'm really sorry. Like, and I just want you to know that if I could have done better, I would have. And I just like, I'm so glad to see you happy. And actually, and it, it's different between saying it and meaning it because the longest journey mm-hmm. you'll take is from your head to your heart. And we can say a lot of these things, but you actually feel them. And I, I felt it so much for this individual. And that was nice to just be able to share and say, like, that version of me that you hold in your mind, those things happened. I'm sure a lot of them did. Maybe even a story was told about the person I was, and you've now carried that forward. Irrelevant of all that, it it wasn't that I even needed the approval. It's just I wanted to put that energy out there, like, hey, like, I'm going to keep working on myself. And, like, thank you for, you know, our iteration of love and what that experience was. Because there's there's a lot of learnings, I find. If you, when I look back again, and I don't know about you, Meg, but like when you look back at certain relationships now, and even you remove some of the emotions, you've probably carried with you, like, like you said, some lessons and changes that you now integrate into you. Like, if I was to ask you, like, what, what one of the biggest takeaways from maybe one of your last relationships was in terms of that you're now integrating into mindfully Meg, like into this version Mm -hmm. of you that, that really you feel like is a part of you and that your next partner is going to receive by virtue of that. Yeah. One lucky SOB, right? Whoever that guy is. (laughs) You're stepping Uh, up for the plate, boys. um, I think that's so beautiful what you said about you and your ex, because I think karmically you guys cleared that karma and just put a pen in it. And I think that's what I'm learning in life too, is the relationships that I've had, I know it sounds weird for all of you that don't believe in past lives. There is a karmic connection to them. We have met before. There is this unspoken like familiarity. And um, some of those relationships in my past, now I realize we're just, uh, we had to clean up karma, you know, Um, or some of the relationships I've had in this life, I asked for them supposedly to learn what I needed to learn or a lesson um, as far as, you know, myself, right? My strength. I feel like uh, a relationship that I had over a decade ago, you know, really proved to myself my resiliency, also my compassion and mercy for someone um, that had not treated me in the way that you could, you would want to treat any human. And I think my resilience to move on for that and not to hold anger with me, but to now have compassion and try to extend help to others in those old relationships. That's what I'm doing. That's what I've learned now is if I could help a younger girl now in her 20s, identify a certain type of relationship, identify attachment theories and get herself out of a bad situation. I think that's that's so valuable. And that's what I learned. And then like even going into the new relationships, what I've learned now is I would love not to be attached to my partner. I would love him not to be attached to me. 
I would love both of us to make time for our own independent selves and not lose our identity in each other, but still have an identity together so that, you know, I don't want this guy to always feel like, oh my gosh, my girlfriend, oh my God, she's so needy, but really wants to genuinely just spend time with you, not because you're begging for it, but because you just want to spend time together. It's like no attachment. I'm not dependent on you for outwardly validation. I give that to myself already. I'm not seeking that externally on the internet or from from you or anybody else. It's nice to get it. I'm not dependent on you physically for something. I, I thank God I have all my limbs and everything. And I'm not dependent on you financially. I live within my means. I can provide for myself. I think there's a sense of relief for a male and just for any partner, vice versa. Like if he doesn't have if he knows that she's not dependent on her, that she's simply with him, not for what he can do, but for who he is. That's the type of relationship that I'm seeking. And then vice versa. I would like for him to want to be with me, not for arm candy or something like that. You know, really value my intellect of who I am. And I want him to spend time with me just because he enjoys being in my presence and being around me. You know what I'm saying? It's like to know this beautiful relationship that's so healthy. You're not attached or dependent on each other. You are literally hanging out with each other because you just enjoy being around each other. How beautiful would that be, John? I I compare it to a, a best friend that you can be naked with all the time. Like, <laughs> I love that. Exactly. That's really what it is because like, I look at the greatest versions of relationships and some of those moments were literally naked in bed under covers on a Sunday having amazing conversation and fun. And it's just like you look at this idea like it's not the time you spent in medical metaphorical Paris or all the cool like like that's part of it but you really look back to it and I just it came to me when you said this it's like those those versions are the times where it's just like true best friendship and you hate you don't need clothes it's like Adam and Eve it's like (laughs) relief you're good hey now that you're talking about clothes and we're thinking about bodies I want to bring up the four bodies to a relationship have you heard of this before four bodies to relationship no, yeah. I haven't. If this okay. Is a huh. So my great teacher, Maitra, also taught me this because she asked me, she was like, can you think of a relationship that you admire, that you would want to have? And no offense to any of my family or friends coming from divorced parents. I'm like, well, let me look around. And I was just like looking around. I'm like, well, I like my grandparents, but they're very traditional I love how they care about each other, but I'm I'm like trying to think of it. I'm like, what is a perfect relationship? And she's like, a celebrity. And I'm like, no, I really think all those are fake to some degree. A lot of it's like, you know, for show. And so she was like, taught me about the four bodies to relationship. And you said physical body. So there's four. So physical is one of the bodies. The next one is intellectual body. The third one is spiritual. And the fourth one is emotional So the idea is to build connections with your partner on these bodies. And a lot of people build a relationship with one body, and that's the physical body. So you go into a relationship, say the physical fizzles out, and then you're left with no other body to support the relationship, and you break up. So you try to get a relationship where you have more than one body together, like four out of four 
is incredible, right? That's what we all strive for, but at least have two at a minimum, if not three, right? So when your physical fades out, you have an intellectual relationship that you guys can really bond over. If that's not it, do you have a religious or spiritual bond that will keep you there? So the idea is throughout the years of your marriage or your relationship that as your relationship ebbs and flows, you have other bodies to kind of ebb and flow with too, so that your relationship can stay strong and not just dependent on one. No, and that mm-hmm. look, that intuitively to me makes a lot of sense. I I definitely couldn't agree more insofar as the fact that I also think that it's almost like love languages to me as well, because I feel like certain people, a different body will be more important. So like for some people, it might be that that physical body or that physical component of the relationship is really where they're at. And maybe their partner is more on the super spiritual tip. So I totally get what you're saying in terms of like when you have two, you to me, you create a bit more of a tethered effect, right? Like now to me, it's like intellectually, we have this amazing relationship and physically we feel extremely connected. And now we're trying to anchor into maybe some shared spiritual beliefs. I I think that based on what you're saying and like what I'm hearing is that I do think over time, um, a good relationship could transcend into all four bodies. Because when I look at mm. spiritual, physical, um, well, uh, intellectual, pardon me, and then the last one being, what did I miss the last one? Uh, uh, emotional. Um, you got to be emotional, John, okay? You got to be intimate. <laughs> You got to be vulnerable. (laughs) That to me is like, like true nakedness is like when you're naked and vulnerable. It's like when you're actually just sharing it all and like being super open, despite how you think someone may receive that information. It's, um, it's like no shame and no blame when it comes to those aspects of like vulnerability in a relationship. Again, these are weapons, which in the past I, I wish I had with me. Sorry. (laughs) I just simply did not know. I just simply did not know. That's okay. You're bringing into your next version, your next relationship. I know you're like, hey, no stings or no like throwing shade at our previous partners. But I literally think the next, every partner that I've gotten just one ups the last partner. And maybe that's just because I am more whole and I'm choosing Mm -hmm. more whole people or I don't know what it is. Um, I just feel like it just it does get better and better for someone that, you know, is like, is it ever gonna get better, Megan John? And we're like, yes, like just hold on, get through whatever you're going through. Um, there is there are so many great people out there. Oh, it's it's so I couldn't again, I couldn't agree more. And it's funny because I was gonna ask you, like, do you believe in like part of me too is this as like Deep down, it's like, do you believe in the one? And I'm, I'm like, when I really sit with that, it, I'd say the best part of me believes that there's so many amazing people out there for sure. But I also value the sanctity of relationships that are in existence right now and just people who hang on to the belief that there is a one and they're with their one or they will find their one. So even when I say something about do you believe in the one, Just remember this, everyone's entitled to their own unique beliefs. Maybe some people believe that there's more than one. Maybe some people believe that there is truly just one. Maybe we all transcend from the one, the one source, the one bang, (laughs) which I'm pretty sure we do. But let me ask you, Meg, and I think I know what your answer is, but do you believe there is a one 
Okay, before I answer that, what do you think my answer is going to be? Because you said you think you know. <laughs> that you believe, and again, I, I'm going to put words in this girl's mouth. I do think you believe that at certain points there have been quote unquote ones in the past, but I think that the highest version of you believes that there are so many amazing people out there that you can maybe form that that idea of what it would be like to feel like they are the one when you're in that relationship. So it's not like there's only one person out there for me. They're no longer there. But when you find that person and you're with them in the midst, maybe you're living as if they are the one. I don't know. Does that make sense? Oh, okay. So this is a complicated answer and maybe people will like this or they won't. So I was really hellbent on because that's how you're raised as a female there's the one right and when I thought I had found the one and then found the one again and then it doesn't work out and then you're like what the hell then I actually um found out about a journey of a journey of soul a journey of the soul something like that it's a book check it out I'll try to post it on Instagram when I get the title right but um, it's this idea, you know how you feel like you vibe with someone of the same sex? Sometimes you're like, oh my God, she's like my soul sister. I don't know where she came from. She's not my blood, but we vibe. And like, same for you. Be like, this is my brother from another mother. I don't know where he came from, but bro, we have a bromance. You know that? Well, the same idea is that there's the soul and the soul is divided into four. And so there's two male and two female. And so that's why you could have a soul mate that is of the same sex or the same soul divided. And then you actually have two male counterparts, which gave me hope because when you think you had found the one and they match you to a T and it is easy, but for whatever reasons in this lifetime, it's just not going to work out circumstances, whatever um, met at the wrong time, perhaps you kind of get disheartened, but to hear that, Hey, Hey, there's one more and your little nucleus gave me hope. So I think that's kind of what I'm searching for. I think I've recognized more, uh, just probably consciously and unconsciously, like who's in my same cell. And of course that cell that divided into four, into four divides into eight and then like, so on. Um, but I guess that's to be, also, I haven't settled yet, John, because like you said, there's so many people that you can make into the one, but there is this feeling, there is this connection that it's difficult for me to articulate. Um, so I, I do feel like you will kind of know. Does that make sense? So I think there is the one, but I think there is more than one one. And it's not just everybody. How does <laughs> is that a complicated answer? Oh my god! Look, for me, hearing what you just said, I think that what I would articulate now for myself is I want to experience oneness, as opposed to the Ooh. idea of there being a quote unquote one in a relationship with another person. What you're really at the end of the day in is an experience. Do you want to experience love, bliss, joy, connection, oneness? So is there only one human being currently walking planet Earth that you can experience oneness with? Everyone that is here comes from the oneness. So what I've just deciphered is that one can experience the oneness with anyone in a sense. So 
my paradigm in this moment is that there are certainly many people out there currently in this manifestation 3D that I feel I could experience oneness with. But at, yeah, so. Well, no, I know. love this. I'm going like, wow, like W-O-W. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <W-O-W>. I, <laughs> that's why I do this. I do the wow. Yeah. Um, I was like, I've never heard someone say that before. And I kind of like that. I might steal that. I'm going to let it, you know, resonate for a second, marinate and see if I, I might steal that guys. Cause that, that is good. Cause at the end of the day, why you are seeking your one is for a oneness or a unity together. I think that's so beautiful. You're right. And it takes the pressure off of trying to find this soul and the millions of other souls. And in this finite time in this lifetime of trying to figure it out. So you're like, yeah, this oneness, you can create your little divine life with and nucleus with. I think also you might have like partners for, um, what do you say? The one for that time of your life. So they could have been that one for me and that two years, right? That's exactly who I needed to be with for that time in my life. And then I have the one for this next little three-year relationship that I've had that didn't work out. You know what I'm saying? And then I have the one for the longer like marriage or whatever. So I think that's a cool aspect that I've heard too. But I like that, John. A oneness is what we're looking for. And I also love that you kind of, you know, shun some light on this idea of you have different people who are your one for a period of life and not that they should have been, but actually owning that reality. And they were like, you know, like when you go back, if you encapsulated a relationship that maybe someone was in for two years, three years, any amount of time, if you go back and you go within that relationship, I guarantee you, at least for a moment, the fragrance of unconditional love was there at some point. I'm not saying that's how it ended. I'm not saying that's the memory you have. But if you were in a relationship with another human being, and now you're in a different relationship, I think you'd be lying to yourself if you said within that entire span of relationship, if even for a second, I didn't experience that oneness. I didn't experience that unconditional love. So I think for some of us to just go back, and I know that people have had horrible things happen in relationships, and it can leave a scar that I couldn't even imagine for some. But I feel that what it allows us to do is, number one, forgive not only ourselves, but potentially past partners, and to really let go of that toxic energy if there's still the absence of forgiveness. And this goes both ways. You know, Meg, you talked a bit about Jesus earlier. We've talked about him before. The one thing that he would always preach is forgiveness. You know, can you forgive? Can you be compassionate? even amidst the most horrific of circumstances. And I don't want to get into objectively of what that is, but the best version of me, I know that is one that can forgive others, forgive myself, and also seek forgiveness for the things that I've done. And like, you know, not let that necessarily have to be a prerequisite for moving in to a new relationship as well, right? But I I, I went on a bit of a tangent there. Um, No, I love it. Because... The yeah if you have unrealistic expectations that this relationship is going to be perfect whatever you get into <laughs> i've got news for you um i'm sure i like even my dad now and that they've been in their relationship gosh 30 years wow. and 
you don't think that they don't constantly forgive each other over and over and over again like so I like that you call that out like and I think that's the beauty of it um and to like really know unconditional love is you know I may not like you all the time but I'm gonna show you love unconditionally and continue to show up for you and to forgive you and I don't want people to get so far out and romanticizing, you know, unconditional love. I think unconditional love also can be a choice. I love you enough that I'm going to extend my love unconditionally to you, not for you to abuse it or to disrespect it, but for you just to feel this appreciation because that's how fond of you that I am. What do you think? Totally. And I, I think also when you just talk about forgiveness again, that can even be more so with past partners, because in the midst of a relationship, if there are, let's say, problems in a particular relationship or two people are ending a relationship, that forgiveness in that instance may come down the road. There may be a human element of what someone's currently going through, where they may be exiting a relationship right now, where they're not at that stage of forgiveness. And sometimes in the midst of a relationship as well, of course, there's there's this difference to me between forgiving and condoning like I look back and I say certain behavior to me in a relationship as I move forward my best self now has to know is just simply not acceptable like it's just if someone chooses to forgive me if I am that that is certainly up to them but I can't condone that as my standard that I'm going to bring into a relationship so there is this idea of self-ownership almost like this audit of like what are my standards going to be in this relationship? Like what standards am I going to hold myself to? And, you know, if I slip away from understand that, you know, I've now fallen outside of my own box. So we, we often have, it seems little control over even how a partner could or would not react. But when this aspect also like self-ownership comes into a relationship, if you have two people in a relationship that are taking like radical responsibility for their own lives while simultaneously building that love, intimacy, and friendship. Like if you focus on that process, I'm confident your outcome will be pretty strong. Like, you know, if if that just continues moment after moment, you know. Man, I love that radical responsibility. And I like what you said. Forgiveness does not mean that you're condoning behavior. And I love that for anybody that needs to hear that. If you really have to forgive a partner, it doesn't mean you condone the behavior, but you're just giving yourself that freedom, that liberation, just to kind of set that free. And I like how you said like having standards. I think with standards, there's also this discussion of expectations. And what are your expectations of me? What are mine of yours? How about we just not have expectations? Is that realistic? And let's just see how this goes. But I'm not sure if having no expectations is realistic or not. But I know that females, uh, now that I'm on the other side of this and aware of this, you will have expectations in your head that you think he's aware of. He's got no freaking clue. And the same thing for men. You've got expectations of what I should be doing for you. And I've got no freaking clue. So I think it's very important to really sit down and discuss, hey, what are your expectations in this relationship? And to make sure still there's not a dependence on each other, just this healthy, radical responsibility. I love that. No, and I I love that word expectations as well, because to me, that kind of conforms to standards. Like if you're coming into a relationship, for an example, let's just use something objective. 
where maybe in the last relationship you had a male partner. I'm just using a random example that that smoked a lot of cigarettes. And you said, you know what, my next partner just I'm not going to date someone that smokes cigarettes. That's 100% okay and fine. And if the new partner smokes cigarettes and you say, hey, based on where I'm at, I'm just, I, if you seem like a great guy, but that's just not going to work for me. You're not asking or telling that person to change, but that's a real standard. Like for me, I'll be honest, if my partner smoked a pack of cigarettes a day, she wouldn't be my partner. I'm just being honest. Like I wouldn't get into that relationship. It doesn't mean that, you know, if that's developed down the road, I'm not going to work through them with it, but I'm going to say, Hey, like, I don't really enjoy kissing someone who smokes a pack of DeMaurier lights a day. Like let's just be real. So I do think this idea of having, and again, expectations insofar as when you are in a, like the best of my relationships, I've looked at this idea of team unity. Like it's like playing for the same team and just trying to make things easier for one another. Like it's like one plus one equals three. We get this boost when we work collaboratively, like when we have clear expectations and like, Hey, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take care of this today. And like, Hey, this is what I'm up to. And, you know, it's just, again, that open communication while simultaneously, Meg, you mentioned earlier, still having, you know, your own path, your own journey that is independent from, you know, that, that shared identity as well is, is great continuing to work on yourself simultaneously. So. Yeah. And I think, uh, like you said, with the expectations, uh, I guess for me, men and their priorities are different than females. And I think that's what, if I can plant a seed for one other female that hadn't heard this before, my teacher also taught me this. It's just like having a good older girlfriend, right? Just to let you know, like, oh, sorry. We got an interruption there. Today's interruption is Every, Everybody good? <laughs> been a sponsorship right there. Oh my gosh. Um, so where I was going with that, we'll wrap up pretty quick after this, is the expectations of priority. I think there's a lot of females running around thinking that he's going to put me in number one. I've got to be number one 24 seven. And these guys, these men are juggling so many balls in their life. And they're like, I just, I can't win. Like I can't keep up. I can't like, just because someone needs to hear this just because he doesn't put you first a hundred percent of the time does not mean that he doesn't love you or that he doesn't value you. So for a man and his priorities that he juggles, now you should be top three for sure. And your top three kind of ebb and flow, right? A man has to have his purpose to be fulfilled. Understanding that even in when men retire, I still feel like you have to have a purpose or a passion to feel complete. And I think some younger females need to understand that there's going to be your purpose or your passion. There's going to be your family and then there's going to be your partner, right? And of course, there has to be you, but all of these have to be a priority. But the reality, your your purpose should not always be number one, right? Maybe it'll ebb and flow between two or three because your family's going to come up. You know, Timmy's going to fall down the well. You got to go take care of him or whatever. So understand, <laughs> yeah, Timmy, understanding that, having realistic expectations as a female, um, I think, you know, we need to be aware of that. And the same for men, your realistic expectations of a female, she's not going to look like a Barbie 24 seven. She's going to have to be vulnerable and real for you. You know, it's, it just, it just is what it is. 
No, look, I, I, I love the sentiment there. I mean, I buy into this uh, conceptual framework for the perfect relationship and for five easy payments of $29.99 for the perfect relationship. That is a good rate. $29.99. Sign us up. We got into, I appreciated going through this topic with you and we talked about it a little bit. It was interesting because we've, you know, you've been there for me a lot also behind the scenes as I've, you know, exited and transitioned out of my relationship and just being able, I think, just as a closing remark from my end, like having people in your life that you can confide in and, you know, have conversations with um, sometimes outside of any relationship is beneficial. And just depending where people are right now, right? Single in a relationship, contemplating relationship, a relationship that, you know, I'm meeting a lot of people right now, I'm being honest, who are on the fringe of relationships there, you know, they've been in relationships for a while and the standards and expectations have, you know, dissipated and there's this desire to, you know, get back to where things once were, but I just, wherever you are, uh, whatever your status is currently just, you know, embrace and accept where you are and then focus on where you want to go. And in between that gap, enjoy the journey, the journey back to self uh, inevitably, right. That's where we end up anyways. So uh, no, it was it was great talking relationships with you today, Meg. I, I've learned a thing or two, and now I'm going to have to implement these in, in my next relationship, right? I can't just think about them. I guess I will have to start being them. <laughs> yeah, same. Oneness, you taught me that today, so I'll take that with me as well. That was my one contribution. And Thanks. I guess in a relationship, the way to have the best relationship is to show up as the best version of you for yourself and for your partner. So just take that responsibility, that accountability and, uh, and let it naturally fall into state. So with that being said, thanks so much for listening guys. I'm mindfully Meg with unapologetically John today. Uh, if you guys ever need a friend to talk to, just know that our DMS are always open. You can reach me at a journey to ourself because you're never alone. And John, where can they reach you at? Uh, you can reach me toll free at what? No, I'm just kidding. You can reach me on Instagram at unapologetically John. And I always love to hear from people as well. And, you know, any feedback or maybe even future topics that you might be interested in hearing. This, I think, is episode three for us, Meg. We're doing a 10 episode trial, my friends. So this is episode three. We've gone through God. We've gone through surrender. We've gone through relationships. And next will be the Houston Rockets. Meg's going to give us the full. <laughs> Man, we're out of the playoffs. So uh, thanks so much again for listening, guys. I'm mindfully Meg. See you guys later. Ciao. Meg, I'm going to be right back. Okay? I just